Hello and welcome to the Glimmer Podcast. The aim of this podcast is simply to make you feel less alone on this difficult journey taken by millions of other women around the globe every single year who have had to say goodbye to their precious baby. Together, Ashley and I hope to bring guests who can offer you comfort, company and wisdom. I'm Caitlin Crowley. I'm a journalist and mum to Cora Mae Crowley, who was stillborn last year. Dr. Ashley Smith is producing this season. I know why you are listening to this podcast. I know why you are here. And I'm so, so sorry. It hurts so much. You are not alone. Reminder, the views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the individual and do not represent their employer or medical advice. Always consult your doctor. Edwina Simons is the mother of three beautiful children, including Sebi, who was taken too soon. Edwina is a volunteer with Red Nose Australia and an advocate for organ donation. In this episode, Edwina shares strategies for navigating relationships through times of grief. Edwina Simons, it's so lovely to meet you. Thanks for coming on the Glimmer podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, you've become a Red Nose volunteer support person. Tell us about that role, but also what you found was helpful for you in terms of support in those first most agonising months after losing your beautiful Sebi. Coming to Red Nose was actually something that I didn't come to after I lost Seb. So I actually only found out about the program after I had my third child, my daughter Elodie, because another person told me about it and I was like, why am I not doing that? I have all this wealth of knowledge about loss and and grief and I'm a few years down the path to all the people who are obviously usually freshly grieving who call the line. So... Red Nose and Sands, as some people in different states may know it, joined um, forces last year, but they host a 24-7 volunteer peer support hotline. People like me who have been through something tragic, something horrific in their lives, it might be multiple loss, it might be child loss, it might be infertility, but it's just a group of wonderful people who are there to listen. We're not professionals. We don't profess to be professionals. And I think that that's what is the best thing about the line because we're not there to give answers. And so often in grieving situations, the people around us are trying to help us. So they're trying to do things for us. And that's why I love the hotline so much because I honestly know that nothing I'm going to do in that conversation with that person is going to help them in any way. You know, I'm literally there just for them to unload, have a cry, be angry, yell about their mother-in-law, whatever it may be, and then they can go on their day. So it's literally just to burst that bubble and then they, they feel better after. Wow, what an incredible contribution. And look, I imagine some of those phone calls must be pretty difficult for yourself when you have your own grief but do you find that it's healing as well? Definitely I think anytime that I do things that are related to Seb I feel like I'm doing them in his honor 
because he didn't get to live a full life, but he left behind legacy, a legacy of things that now allow me to tell his story. So every time I talk about him in any which way, and it doesn't always come up on Red Nose, the people aren't always open to hearing a story or they don't ask or they might ask, but that's just one more opportunity for me not only to tell Seb's story and to tell someone else that he was alive, but to use that loss for him to help other people. So it's almost like I'm the vehicle of him to help. As I said, I just always am so upfront about the fact that I'm not there to be professional, but I'm there to say, I get what you're going through. I can't make the pain go away. I can't change the outcome, but I get the depth of pain that you are lying in right now. And I think whenever people are going through hard times and that's you know, not just necessarily grieving or, or, or it is grieving in itself because grief comes in so many forms in life. We don't need answers in grief. We just need people to hold our hand. Wow, what an incredible gift back to people who are walking this difficult journey. But we do have that almost uh, unique education, don't we? Ability to sit with the pain and the grief. And I guess what would you say to anyone listening to this who's maybe thought about calling the Red Nose Crisis Line or what would you say to people who might be a little bit nervous about reaching out? I think so often I would say women in particular, we do it to ourselves that we put this pressure on to be okay. And talking to someone who is going to sit with you in your pain and say, it is 100% okay for you to be lying in bed today, even if it's the 100th day, the 200th day. You lost your baby, you're not okay, and that's okay with me. I think that message is so powerful. So I would say to those people who have looked up that number and are not sure if their story is bad enough or it's been too long or I should feel better now, no one on this line that picks up judges you in any way, shape or form about any part of your grief. You can be 10 years, you can be 20 years down, you can be the father-in-law, you could be the father of the child, you can be anyone to call these lines. And as you said, there's so many amazing support services in Australia. We're really blessed here. But I would just say call because you don't know what you're going to get out of it and neither does the person who's going to pick up. But the fact that you're doing it it's just a part of your journey that, that you need to take with you because every time you get to say your baby's name out loud or every time you get to say I lost a pregnancy or, you know, I've lost another pregnancy, every time you get to tell your story, it takes a little bit of the weight out of the load. Absolutely. Fantastic advice there. And we know that a lot of listeners are not necessarily the ones who have lost their baby immediately, but it may be friends and family. I know my mum listened to seasons one and two quite like almost as soon as uh, her granddaughter, my daughter Cora, died last year. So for people who are listening to this and, and looking for ways to support someone who's at the depths of that grief, what's your advice to them? Just listen. There is honestly nothing that you can do. 
and it's really interesting the timing of this podcast because I was on on the line um, on Friday and I get a lot of similar calls come through and I'm only on every fortnight but there is a theme and that's why I said that at the start about it could be that you're just there to rant um, about your family because often the people who are closest to us are the ones that hurt us the most and that's so hard to take on so it adds this whole other emotional level of I am so angry at my sister-in-law or my best friend said this and da 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 and something's going on. And what I always say to people then who are grieving, please come back to your child. Please come back. This is all fuzz in the way and the energy that you're currently expending on that is too much. Always come back to the love for your child. So if anyone is ever judging you in any way or saying, oh, well, at least you can try again, or in my case, at least you're pregnant, you're having another baby. If they're saying those things to you that are just like stabs in the heart, you just need to compartmentalise and put things to the side. And I think very quickly as grieving mothers, we learn our own strengths and people say, be strong. How are you so strong? And it's just such a throwaway term, but it means something different to us because we are this lioness inside. And what I say to those women who are hurt by the people around them, I just say, use your strength now to to protect yourself. Don't put yourself in those situations where you know that Auntie Marg is going to say something horrible to you just say, I know I'm not going, I'm not going to that. Don't get involved in the extra fuzz that goes around because I think grief is so emotionally and physically draining that to take on family and friend emotional issues at the time that you're doing it, it, it just, it, it tears you apart. It's it's like the secondary losses, isn't it? I like the term fuzz because yeah, it's sort of less, um, you know, sweary than what I would usually call it. <laughs> the fuzz is great, but it is, it's like, it's not enough to have just lost your child. You have to deal with these, you know, painful remarks or how people change towards you and that sort of stuff. And it's so draining, isn't it? It is, it is, because it's not necessarily the ones that say hurtful things. And I always err on the side of I'm sure it wasn't intentional, it does come from a good place. But then you have the other set of people who never say anything and never acknowledge it. And you lose friendships when you lose a child because they just died with your child. And you're like, I'm over here doing okay and I can talk about it and I would love you to ask about my child and for us to have this relationship. Where did it go? Where did you go? And I think when you're very freshly grieving, those emotional conflicts feel like they're your fault so you take it on as well and it's so hard because you're like, I'm just trying to grieve my child but now my friend's not talking to me or you know everyone hates me because my child died that was me yeah yeah and really really hard like there's so much that goes along with it and that's that's why I always answer that question about what you can do for these friends and these people is it is literally just to be there to be a presence whether that is via text via email via a, a 
a meal on the doorstep or one of my girlfriends, I always tell um, the story that she, I don't even know when, but in the first two weeks after Seb dying, my bed was made every day. And she wasn't here every day that I am aware of, but she obviously was. And it was just the most precious gift that she could give to my husband and I to say, rest here. It is comfortable here. Your bed is made. And I don't know. I honestly, to this day, don't know when she did it. Um, But it's just those small shows of emotion because I think what happens is people, they're trying to get you up out of the well. So they ask and they ask and they ask and they don't realise that that feels like pressure to us. So then they stop asking and you're like, no, that's not what we need. Like you need to ask without pressure. So I always say, and I do write on my website that don't say, hi, I'm going for a walk at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Do you want me to pick you up along the way? It's more like, I'm thinking of going for a walk tomorrow. Let me know if you'd like to come. Because then it's not something that the person feels like I've let you down because I missed a point in time. It's literally saying, are you ready? And there's very small differences in tone in the way that we can write these texts or the way that we can leave the voicemail. But people are consciously trying to pull grieving people up out of the well without the acknowledgement that sometimes they're not ready to come out of the well. Oh, absolutely. And with that pressure is then, I'm not sure if you experienced something like this, but I became quite uh, resentful and really tired of being, I felt, treated like a problem that needed fixing. You know, all of a sudden it's like Caitlin's this problem that we have to sort out and it's like, well, I'm sorry, my child dying inconvenienced you guys. Exactly. That was, yeah, the beautiful caller I spoke with the other day was very similar. So they had a very tight-knit, very close family, which I find is often where it goes wrong the worst. So then she's stuck in this vortex of, of, as I said to her, seemingly good advice, like they think that they're doing the right thing. And that's true. It it does come from a good place. But I, I guess there, if anyone's listening to this going, yikes, maybe I have done the wrong thing or, oof, my family could use or my friends could use some tips. I guess that's where these resources are out there. Your website, thegriefyway.com, you know, you've written about this. We have this resource here in the podcast that I guess it comes down to not assuming what people need but asking them. Exactly. And I think people are so uncomfortable with the feeling of grief. And when it's your grief, you need to become comfortable with it because our grief is our life. We live with a broken heart. Our heart won't mend but we learn and we live with it. We're not uncomfortable with it, but other people are uncomfortable with it. So then they push it back on us again and say, I didn't know what to say because I didn't want to make you upset. And I always say to that, my baby died. I'm upset for the rest of my life. I'm not sure why you're worried about it. (laughs) Like my baby's not with me. You can't remind me. The word remind as well. Oh, I just didn't want to remind you. Well, I'm only thinking about her all the time for forever. 
So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also why people say, I don't know what to say, I didn't know what to say. There's a large-scale psychological grief piece around whether just saying, I'm so sorry for your loss, is a good thing or a bad thing. And I'm in the good camp. I think it's the most perfect, beautiful, simple thing that you can say when there's nothing to say. Because often, like we talked about before, when people fall away because they're not strong enough to say, I'm sorry for your loss, it's more just about them feeling like this makes me so uncomfortable that I don't know what to do. So I refuse to say anything and will feel guilty about it for the rest of my life. Not seeing the side of that being that your friend has now lost a friend. So you've actually made their grief even worse. When actually, when people say, I'm so sorry for your loss, it encompasses so much because people need to remember that when someone dies and let alone when a baby dies, it's horrendous when someone loses a child, but nothing you will say is going to take any pain away. So it's like you just have to say something. So say the standard line, I'm so sorry for your loss. Tick, I've done it, I've said it. I think that's great advice as well because it is that silence that then it can become, Brene Brown uses a good term of the story I'm telling myself. That can be what happens when there's silence. We feel that with the story I'm telling myself is all my friends hate me now or I'm the outcast. No one wants to be around me because I'm the worst case scenario. And probably 99% of those thoughts are wildly inaccurate. But when there's silence, that's the kind of stuff we can fill it with. There's a, there's a really beautiful link. I have it on my website. But if people want to look up the silk ring theory by a psychologist, and it basically talks about how grief is like the rings of a tree. So the people in the middle are the middle rings. So that's happened to us. We lost our baby. And then you slowly go out, closest family members, additional family members, friends, family. And it's all about where you lay your own grief because everyone grieves when a baby dies. It didn't just happen to the mother and father. It happens to the whole community. But in any type of grief, the most important thing to remember is to never lump inwards. You can't add more grief or more fuzz to the people who are grieving And I always talk about my brother as an example because he, my brother and I are very close and he adored Sebi. Um, His daughter is a similar age to Sebi. And he went through so much losing his nephew, you know, like that's a traumatic thing to go through. But never once did he say to me, I am so sad. This is bringing me down. I can't believe this happened to you. It's so hard on me. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't, none of that. But I know for sure that he did that in the circles out and it's all just about pushing out. So even to him, if you then look at it in that respect, so his friends and his colleagues, they were never allowed to lump in as well. So they had to take that pain away. You've always got to push the pain outwards towards the further rings of the tree. And it's a really beautiful analogy because as humans, we all want to connect and You hear it all the time and people, now that I say this, will absolutely think back and go, oh, my gosh, I've done that. When someone says, oh, my grandfather died, our immediate response to connect to that is, oh, I'm so sorry, my granddad died five years ago as well. And you're like, 
why are you telling me this? It makes me sad. And when you lose a child, I'm sure you've been through this, people say, oh, that's so sad. My next door neighbour had a stillborn last year as well. Or, oh, my sister had a miscarriage yesterday. And you're like, oh. Well, that (laughs) makes me feel a lot worse. So good to know other people are in trauma as well. Yeah. Exactly. And it again comes from a good place because it's a human connection piece. We need to find ways to connect with other people. It's why when we go to parties, we say, hey, where do you live? Because then they might say Northern Beaches and I can go, great, I live on the Northern Beaches too. Like it's that's how humans connect as people. But it's the most unhelpful thing you can ever do when someone's grieving to tell them a different story about other people who are grieving. Amen to that. I'll second that wholeheartedly. And it is such a beautiful analogy and a nice, simple one to remember that you have to dump out. Dump out. You've been listening to The Glimmer Project. Our guest, Edwina Simons, volunteers at the Red Nose Australia Peer Support Service. She's been talking us through strategies for navigating relationships after a loss. We'll be back after a word from our sponsors. The Stillbirth Foundation Australia supports bereaved parents and raises funds to prevent stillbirth through research, education and advocacy. Visit stillbirthfoundation.org.au Blue Hearts was created to honour Holly and Joshua Ryan's son, Bluey. It works to raise funds and increase awareness. Follow at bluehearts underscore au on Instagram. The online Glimmer program can be found at glimmerproject.com. It involves an online peer support group run by our specialised bereavement midwife with daily meditations, video content and modules. A Glimmer mum shares her experience. So my loss is fairly recent. So uh, in terms of piecing Uh, my life back together it's still very much a work in progress but I can definitely speak to uh, the fact that things like the Glimmer podcast and other podcasts books uh, on baby loss and uh, Instagram accounts of other women sharing their journey and feelings and musings on grief in general and loss All of that's been really helpful for me and I I have encouraged others to do the same. I don't know where I'd be without it. You're listening to The Glimmer Project. I asked Edwina Simons if she would share about her decision to donate her son Sebi's organs. I'm extremely passionate about organ donation, which... As a now 37-year-old woman, I probably never would have said that statement out loud. But again, that's that's Seb's legacy. That's something that he's left with me because I later found out that he died during Organ Donation Awareness Week, which was a bit of a tick. So I'm um, a very organised person. I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm very black and white. When they told me that Seb's brain had died he had a very rare epilepsy so the way we found that out was he had an MRI and they they said it was catastrophic 
it just doesn't make sense to hear those words from a doctor. Like it, it doesn't make sense as a parent. It doesn't make sense in the scheme of things. You know, it, we're supposed to be born. We're supposed to have, our mothers are supposed to have a healthy pregnancy. We're supposed to be born. We're supposed to live 85 years and then die. So to hear the words as a parent that your child is brain dead, he's gone. It just, it just didn't make sense to me. And it's one of the only times in my life where I've literally done a why me. This wasn't supposed to happen like this. I've been through too much. My mum died when I was young. My dad died when I was 21. My grandmother who brought me up died six years before Seb. Why are you taking my child? It doesn't make sense. So it wasn't even that in the hospital they'd been talking about donations in in any way, but it was like, this has to make sense. Please tell me that babies can be organ donors. And I think they were all a bit taken aback at the moment from how quickly I got there because I think I was like, okay, (laughs) I know that we've got a limited amount of time. You've just told me he's died. I'm pretty sure you're going to have to act quickly, so let's do this. And they were like, okay, okay that's what you want. Let's do it. And then this amazing machine just kicks in in the background. And I've obviously learned much more about organ donation along the way over the last few years about how extremely rare it is and how perfect the circumstances have to be for it to even happen. And I guess this is where I'm so um, passionate about talking about it because one of the issues with the Australian system is that we're an opt-in system and most people just don't know that. So most people in that setting would say that they would allow their, their loved person's organs to be donated. But if that person hasn't signed onto the register, which 17 million Australians have not, the conversation just doesn't come up. And that's really frustrating to me to have been on the other side of it. And then also once you join this community, you you then see the other side of people who are waiting for something. And so these people live their lives without plan because they're waiting for a phone call. And I just think it's so special that, that Seb got to have that phone call be made to someone So, you know, they talk about organ donation as the ultimate gift, but I I physically feel that. I physically feel that Seb's life was taken out of him. His tiny baby kidneys were fused together and put into an adult who'd been on dialysis for three years and he saved a life. So in my mind, the play out of that whole situation is him dying made someone live and if that's all I take from that, because there's no other, nothing else to take from the loss of a child, I know that someone is alive because my child died. That is so beautiful. And thank you for being such an advocate for that now, because oh, there is so many families out there waiting, waiting. And there was a quote on your website that really hit home with me when you become a parent without you knowing all you do is wait and I thought wow we really do (laughs) and that wait you just touched on that again you had an excruciating wait but man people are going through 
so many tough things and I feel just really grateful that we have people like you on the other end of the phone. (laughs) One question to wrap up, Edwina, I had was that a lot of us who've come through this, we had people like yourself on the end of the phone. A lot of us want to, to give back and want to pay it forward, I suppose. What advice would you have for anyone who is perhaps a little bit down the road on this journey and is thinking about stepping up into a volunteer role? Absolutely. I think that giving back, it's such an old adage, right, that when you do something for someone else, you feel better. And there's, there's no truer fact than that for grieving parents. We've suffered the worst loss that you can possibly suffer. And that's, that's that reminder to all your listeners, if you are listening because of a loss, that it feels like grief sometimes is supposed to be linear and you do feel like I'm not far enough along or I'm not, I'm not feeling better. You know, this doesn't feel wrapped up in a bow. And what I always say to people is that your grief just comes with you now. It doesn't disappear. You'll have good days. You'll have bad days. And that's all okay. So giving back to others, particularly when it is in, in the way that I do it with Red Nose, it makes me feel good because I think the grieving path in the few years after you have a loss, it truly is all about framing it for yourself. So, you know, that might that might sound lovely to you all that that's how I frame my grief for Seb, that I see it that when I'm doing everything for him, that that's me living his life. But that's not just that I woke up in the morning and came up with that. <laughs> that's the way I choose to live my day. It doesn't mean you won't find me crying on the floor in the shower at 3 a.m., you know, some Sundays, um, because all that stuff still happens. And that's where we need to remind ourselves constantly that grief and happiness can live together and they must live together when you're a grieving parent. It's now your life. And that plays in a lot when there is a future pregnancy or, you know, when when people are grieving but they've got a friend or family member who are pregnant at the same time and they have that heartbreaking, I can't meet this baby yet, I'm not ready to meet this baby yet because I think they're putting so much pressure on themselves to be happy for their friend. But I always say if they do call the line at that point, I say you're allowed to be happy for your friend and heartbroken and grieving at the same time. I think so often people think the level needs to be balanced and it's like both things can just exist. People who grieve can be happy again and I fill my life by helping other people. I do a lot of small volunteer things on the side. This one gives me a lot of great pleasure because I do think about Seb whenever I'm on the line. But knowing that pain and love and happiness and sadness can all exist in your life is something that takes time. Wow, you really are just creating such a beautiful legacy for Sebi and, you know, on behalf of all of us who have called that line, myself included, in really dark, difficult times, thank you to to you and all the other volunteers who jump on there and, and let us rant and rave and, and sit with it because it wouldn't be easy, but gee, we're lucky to have you guys there. Edwina, thank you so much for your time. On this episode of Glimmer, we've been talking to Edwina Simons about navigating relationships through times of grief. We also discussed her amazing decision to donate the organs of her first child, Sebi. You can find Edwina's website at thegriefyway.com. 
If you've experienced baby loss, you can call the Red Nose Peer Support Service on 1300 308 307. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Glimmer Podcast. Thank you to the Stillbirth Foundation and Blue Hearts for making this season possible. This season was produced by Dr. Ashley Smith with audio engineering from Corey Green of Transducer Audio. You can follow us on Instagram and consider joining the next online Glimmer program group for women who have experienced pregnancy or newborn loss or TFMR. We're going to leave you with a very special song which was created by one of our beautiful Glimmer mums who shared this with the online Glimmer group in memory of her son, Bobby. place in my heart my love just the size and shape of you and my heart may never be full again there will always be space for you you came to us with a flourish you turned three lives upside down you were only a tiny little one, but we loved having you around. And I will hold a little place in my heart, my love, just the size and shape of you. And my heart may never be full again, there will always be space for you. Created so much with the time that you had You dear little heartbreaker, you You made yourself a brother from a sweet little boy And a mother and father who grew And I will hold a little place in my heart, my love Just the size and shape of you My heart may never be full again There will always be space for you You made us think and you made us feel Stronger for all our hopes and our fears And when you left the stage Your swan song It had the whole done place in tears Hold a little place in my heart, my love Just the size and shape of you And my heart may never be full again There will always be space for you Yeah, there will always be space for you